our God. Into the darkness you shine. Put it out this morning. Darkness you shine. Out of the ashes we rise. There's no one like you. None like you. Awesome in power, our God, our God. And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? And if our God is for us, then who could ever stop us? And if our God is with us, then what could stand against? Can stand against our God. Sing that chorus one more time. Then what could stand against? Our God is greater. Lift it up. Our God is greater. Our God is stronger. God, you are higher than any other. Our God is He. Awesome in power, our God, our, our God. God. Church, wonderful singing this morning. We serve a great God, amen? Do you believe it? Are you joyful? Oh, you better get joyful. Point number six is coming this morning. The house of God is a joyful place. I'll jump right to the conclusion and get to it. I love you guys. Thank you for being here today. Even on Time Change Sunday, this, uh, not strategically, but the record lowest day attendance of most churches this Sunday. So whoever's in charge of time change, thank you very much. I don't know who's in charge, but that's okay. We're glad you're here. If you're our guest today, thank you for being here. You come every week. Thanks for coming back. I'm not hitting snooze this morning. We're glad that you're here. Hopefully on the way in, somebody gave you a welcome back if this is your first time. If not, please stop by Connection Point on the way out. Go grab one and we'll give you one. It just uh, tells you a little bit about our church and what we are here at Centennial. So thank you for being here this morning. Take a few moments, greet those around you, tell somebody you're glad to see them this morning, and then we'll continue to worship God.
find your way back. Let's sing this beautiful hymn this morning. Standing on the promises of God. Think of the promises that God has given you as we sing this song this morning. Standing on the promises of Christ my King. Through eternal ages let His praises ring. Glory in the highest I will shout and sing. Standing on the promises of God. Standing, standing, standing on the promises of God, my Savior. Standing, standing, I'm standing on the promises of God. Sing that second verse with us. Standing on the promises that cannot fail When the howling storms of doubt and fear assail By the living word of God I shall prevail Standing on the promises of God that he gives us. And this next song we're going to sing, sing might be a different tune than what you know, but it's, a, it's an old hymn, but it's sung with a modern twist. And um, it goes into the, the, the chorus says, amen, amen, and then I'm drawing a blank on the next words. I'm sorry, it's completely failure. I'm alive. I'm alive because he lives. There it is. There's the hymn. I knew there was a hymn in there. Because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, you're, you're familiar with that hymn, but these words, Easter is just a few weeks away, and as we celebrate a Savior who is alive, a Savior who lives, really think about the words that we're singing, and that's the great thing about music. No matter what the tune is, even if you don't know the tune, or if it's, a, if it's an old hymn or a new song, and you, maybe you never heard it, listen to the lyrics of what we're talking about, of who we're singing about, of who we're singing to, and let that speak to you this morning as we, as we sing this morning. I believe in the sun, I believe in the risen one, I believe I overcome by the power of his blood.
a newer one. We'll continue to work on that and learn that together. I love it when they take the old hymns and kind of turn them into a newer song. Matt Meyer does a great job with that song. And uh, this morning, we're going to continue to worship God through our tithes and our offering. I'm going to have the ushers come forward. And whether you give online, like I prefer to do, or whether you give on a Sunday morning in the offering plate, be faithful to give back to God. He wants to and will do great things with, with what we give to him and if, when we trust him with our tithes and our offerings. Let's pray this morning and bless the morning offering. Heavenly Father, thank you for this church. Thank you for the time that we have to come together as a church family to lift our voices to you in song. And now, God, as, as we continue to um, worship you through giving of our tithes and our offering, we know that we're just giving back to you what you've already given us. And I pray that you would use this tithe and, th and this offering to go out to, to further the gospel here locally in our community, here in the church, to meet the needs, and then globally as we support our missions. And God, it's in your name we ask these things. Amen. Let's stand and sing this last song together. Yeah. 
Sound guys are fired. I'm just kidding. It's a great time when I'm talking about first impressions. Uh, great to see you this morning. We're in our week two of Commit. And uh, we're talking about committing. Last week, Pastor Tony talked about uh, committing ourselves to God. And this week, we're talking about committing our service to God. Pastor Tony's out of town this week. So uh, pray for him and his family where they're gone. And, uh, but I want to say a big thank you and a big shout out to everyone yesterday who came out for our work day. Probably our shortest work day ever. Uh, we were only here a little over two and a half hours, um, and that's not normal. Normally, their work days go till one o'clock, three o'clock, um, but we got a lot accomplished. Little things that make the big difference and that really save uh, a lot of time, and when many hands come together, um, it, it makes for light work, and we got so much um, done yesterday, so I appreciate your work, those of you who helped organize and put up things and take things down and pick up the the garbage that was around the modular, and so thank you so much for those of you who came out, who served, who volunteered. Um, very grateful for, for that. And this morning as we get started, I want to ask you a quick question, and I, I, I doubt in this room anybody's ever experienced this, but who, how many of you have ever had just a terrible, terrible experience, like a first impression experience? Uh, I mean, it was just terrible. Maybe it was at a restaurant. Maybe it's at the grocery store, maybe it's at a retail store, but no matter what it was, the cashier was unfriendly, the salesman didn't know what he was talking about, he didn't know the difference between the, the appliances and why one was $300 more than the other, I mean, he, he went and read the tag, you could have done that yourself, and it just aggravated you, and it was a terrible experience. Anybody? Okay, so there's, there's a few of you, yes, we've all had those. I happened to have one of these uh, about two weeks ago, it wasn't this last week, but it was the week before. 
and it was a terrible experience. And it was online, actually, so there was no physical impression from going into a store. But I ordered these lanyards. So we've, we're, we're launching into our April. We're doing our serve training this month on, on Sunday nights for, for launching the new way of, of greeting and doing first impressions and all those things uh, in, in April before we come into the Easter season. And I ordered these lanyards for volunteers to, know, to wear so people will know who is who and, and who can I ask questions. You know, you see somebody wearing a lanyard that says they're a serve church volunteer. You know, if you're a guest, you'll go ask them a question, right? So I ordered these lanyards, and they come with these um, uh, badge holders. And so I ordered the lanyards, pretty easy thing. I thought, I, I went online, I did my research, I hopped on Google, thought, where can I get the best price, the best deal, best quality, all of those things. And so I did that, fairly easy process. I thought, great, a couple, few days went by, my order came in, I opened the box, and there were my lanyards, but there were no badge holders. And I was kind of annoyed. I thought, oh, they didn't ship the badge holders. No big deal. I'll call the company and, and get it fixed. So I went online to order, uh, to, to see my order, to make sure I had my order number and those things. And then I seen a, a submit a, a, a ticket, a trouble ticket. So I thought, well, I won't even call them. I'll just do that. This is too easy. I'll submit the ticket. I'll tell them I've missed some badge holders. I'll get a phone call, an email, and, and this will be fixed. Kind of annoyed. Not a big deal. We'll move on with the day, right? Well... I submitted the ticket and, you know, I checked it off my to-do list. I went throughout the rest of my day, finished my thing. A couple days went by. You know how the old saying is, out of, out of sight, out of mind. And I kind of forgot about it. And then towards the end of the week as I was going back over uh, my things, uh, making sure I didn't miss anything on my list as I, I write my things on notepads. Um, sometimes I put them on my phone. But I, I went back and I saw where I had checked that off. And I thought, oh, huh, I never got anything. So I went to my inbox and my email and I didn't see anything. I thought, well, that's weird. I'm going to call these guys. So I get online, I get the number, and I call them. And I said, hey, I submitted a, a guy answer. I said, I submitted a trouble ticket. This is what happened. I told him the story. And uh, he said, yes, sir, we responded to you. I said, you did? I said, I never got a phone call. I never, I, never got a, I never got an email, nothing. He's like, no, 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 we responded on the website. I said, okay. He's like, yeah, just log in and you can see it. At this point, my blood starts to boil. I'm like, log in so I can see it. So I, I, I'm already on the website, so I go back to the trouble ticket. I pull it up. Sure enough, they had responded the same day, but they didn't call me. They didn't text me. And now to make matters worse, this guy had the audacity not to read the statement to me. So I had to go to the website, read it myself, and now I'm ticked. I'm annoyed. I'm like, really? This is terrible customer service. So, and I kind of tell this to the gentleman in a very nice way, of course, uh, until until after I had read this statement, because I had kind of said these things, then I read the statement, I'm thinking in my mind, and then I read the statement, and then that's when my blood just boiled. It said, please send us a picture of the package and the shipping label. I said, why do you need a picture of the package and the shipping label? I said, we're talking about 10 cent little badge holders. I said, I just need them. I said, I really wouldn't go out of my way to annoy you or to annoy myself or to make more of my schedule by trying to rip you off out of these little plastic holders. Can you please just send them fix your error that you've now made it's your problem, but you now made it mine. Well, sir, we just can't do that. We have to verify. I said, seriously? I said, well, who's your supervisor? Let me talk to him. And of course, they couldn't get me to a supervisor, and then they finally did. And then, of course, the classic, oops, you got disconnected line. Everybody knows that one. That's my pet peeve. I hate that one. And so to make matters worse, I took a picture. I said, you know, fine. I took a picture of the label. I took a picture of the boxes. I sent it back. Of course, there's no email. There's no text. So I had to go back to the website to look at it. So I was annoyed. And then I, I went to the website, um, as millennials do, and I gave them a very, very wonderful, healthy review and let them know that I will not be ordering from them again, and I advise other people to be cautious of this as well. 
Uh, and so that was my experience. And nobody enjoys terrible first um, impressions like that or experiences. And you say, well, what does that have to do with the sermon? Absolutely nothing. <laughs> I just wanted to think. I'm kidding. <laughs> it really does have a point. The thing is, is we don't like bad experiences, especially when it's something that we're invested in. We've spent our time in it. We spent maybe money on it. We put energy, energy into it. And um, there's a personal interest in it. There's an ownership in it. And whenever that takes place and, and there's uh, can I have a bottle of water? Thank you. I think that's what he was looking for a while ago. When you sing, I already drained the one bottle, but when you're singing and then you've got to speak, and I spoke in the last group, my mouth is just parched. I'm sure that's annoying to you guys as well. <laughs> Anyways, when you don't have that owner, when you have ownership and the people are invested, uh, you're invested, but then you realize that the person that you're trying to work with, to do business with, to do um, fellowship with, whatever it is that you're doing, is not invested, you are, are kind of put off and you're kind of annoyed and it gets that bad taste in your, in your mouth. But when people are connected and they're committed to their service, when they're committed to their um, investment, when they're engaged, those people are the people that make a big difference. Those are the people that you want to be around. Those are the people that you want to do business with. You don't go back to a restaurant because you had a terrible experience. You go back to that restaurant because it was great food, it was a good experience, the waiter was great, uh, all of those things. And so this morning, as we um, get into week two of our Commit series, we're going to talk about committing our service to God. Now, we've talked about this uh, thing of service, and, and I don't want to – it's not a month-long event. February, we did our, our, our Serve Church. We, we opened up with Love Works Week. And we don't, I hope you're getting the idea now, we're not in the business of just doing a series and then moving forward. We want this to become a way of thinking, a way of life here at Centennial when it comes to serving others, when it comes to serving the community, when it comes to serving world missions, when it comes to serving the local church here at Centennial in Caldwell, Idaho. And so when we talk about service this morning, we're going to intentionally focus just on the church this morning, not so much to, to focus on our needs and what we need to fix but why it is important to serve in a local church. And then why it's important, because if we're not serving a local church, we're going to have a hard time impacting our community. We're going to have a hard time impacting global missions uh, and abroad. So this morning we talk about committing our service to God. Um, I want us to take a deep look. Um, in a very, this is a very practical message for believers. So if you're a believer in Christ, this is not a, an in-depth biblical study on how to grow in your faith so much. And if, if you're new to, to church and maybe you're not a believer of Christ, um, this is just something that we as Christians, Christians believe, and from the Bible this morning, even from the Old Testament, we're going to see how God um, has a big input, places a big importance and emphasis on his house, and, and how we as believers take care of it, and how we as believers are in, when it comes to being involved. So let's pray this morning, and then we'll hop into our message, and then get into the text this morning um, in, in the Bible. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, thank you for our time together this morning. And I thank you for these people and their spirit, their faithfulness to come to church. And I pray that as we open your word in just a few moments and, and, and we talk about the importance of, of serving you, the importance of serving you with our whole hearts, the importance of making lasting and, and, and great first impressions that we would be committed to you. And, and God, I would pray that you just, your spirit would move and that your words would be spoken. And it's your name we ask these things. Amen. Um, so... Like I said, we just finished our, our Serve Church in, um, series, and it goes back to the thought of this is a lifestyle, this is a movement, this is a way of living, 
It's not a moment. It's not a moment. There's lots of good moments in our culture, lots of good things. You can look back on history and see where movements made a, a big difference. Um, millennials, my generation, they do a great job at catching on to, to moments and, and causes of, of helping feed the hunger, uh, the, uh, those that are hungry or helping get water in foreign countries or, or um, doing food drives or clothes drives or, or getting shoes or, uh, to foreign countries as well. There's all these movements that we see in our culture, um, but we're not talking about that. We're talking about making this a daily a thing. And this is what I want to say this morning, and you may agree or disagree with this statement, but most people th- decide to return or not return to church long before they've ever heard the preacher. I'll say that again. Most people decide to return or not return to church long before they've ever heard the preacher. People come to church because of the people, not the pastor. And you might say, well, I don't know if I agree with that. Studies show that 9% of polled people in modern, in 2017, 9% of people come to church because of the people, not the pastor. Um, and, and that doesn't mean we stop preaching God's truth. That's not where we're going with this. It doesn't mean we, we say, hey, you know what, we're going to preach 15-minute sermons, and we're going to have 45 minutes of worship, and we're going to get all the smoke and the lights. And we're gonna... No, it's not about that, because we still are going emphasize to God, emphasize God's word, the importance of God's word. It, it, it has, it has uh, the central focus uh, of this ministry is God's word, but I'm here to tell you that in 2017, people don't come to church anymore because they like the pastor. They come because they like you. They like the people. They like the connection. And, and, and for the older generation, I realize that might not be those that are 55 and up. Maybe not be true, but for the younger generation, for sure, uh, it is true. Because uh, for me, for those that are, I, I turned 33 this last week. Thank you to all those of you who, who gave me cards and birthday wishes. Um, it was like every other day. Uh, my daughter wanted to know why we didn't have like the normal, you know, she wants to go to Chuck E. Cheese. But <laughs> <laughs> well, dad doesn't go to Chuck E. Cheese anymore, but, but yeah, it was still good. I had a cake and. And my mom's here. She flew in. She didn't really fly in to see me for my birthday. It was an excuse to come see my grandkids, or her, her grandkids, <laughs> I should say. I know I'm chopped liver now. Uh, but they're going on spring break, so she's going to spend a couple days with them. And, and they love having Grandma here to play and, and to b- make a cake. She made a cake for the kids, so thank you, Mom, for that. Uh, it was great. But uh, my generation is digitally connected. We're connected online. If I want to hear great preaching, I can go to a multitude of church websites. I can go to a multitude of, of uh, a podcast, and I can watch video, I can watch whatever, and I can hear the, my favorite speaker or preacher. I can click on his link, listen to it anytime I want. When it comes to great music, I go to iTunes, uh, Pandora, Spotify, Amazon Music, all the different music apps that are out there, um, and I can hear the, gr- the best, my kind of music, whatever I listen to, I can hear it instantly, anywhere I want, on my phone, in my office, at home, while I'm mowing the lawn. I mean, I am connected. And the younger generation is very connected. So people aren't interested in necessarily how good the music is um, or how great the preacher is. But they are interested uh, in first impressions. And those do make decisions or or do make an impact on people. So back to my original statement with the whole 9%. Most people decide to return to church long before they've ever heard the preacher. And so that's why and, and how that ties in is why we as the saints, as the believers of the church, as Ephesians tells us, we're equipped uh, our job as pastors is to equip the saints to do the work. And so the impressions that you leave on people, the impressions that you leave on guests, on newcomers, um, on, on those that are faithful each week, um, those are the things that are important. And, and 
1 Samuel 16, 7 says this, For man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Now, we know that appearance doesn't matter to God, but it does matter to God at the same time because it's what man sees. And God's not impressed with the flashy appearances and the great things. But when you look at the Old Testament, when you look at the temple, when you look at the verses that we're going to look at in Kings today, we see that, that, that Jesus made some pretty darn good impressions himself. If you think about it, what was his very first miracle? Water into wine. Yep, he turned water into wine at the wedding. We talked about that last Sunday night. Um, he fed thousands of people with loaves of bread uh, and a few fishes. He, he, he healed the sick. He raised the dead. He cast out devils. He did things that oohed and awed and wowed people. Um, so appearance is not what is the most important, but Scripture makes it clear that it is important and that it brings um, uh, people to him. Um, and it draws people to him. And so that's the important thing right here we've got to remember. Um, appearance should and will and can bring glory to God. We're going to look at um, six things this morning in our notes. I'm going to give you six simple points. They're going to be fairly quick. Um, but 1 Peter 2.9 says this. Um, it's not in your notes. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So show forth the praises of God, of him. That's an outward thing, showing it. Matthew 5, 16 says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your father, which is in heaven. So how do we show these things and how do we let our light shine? Clearly, it has something to do with how we present, how we package and how we do these things. Not simply for the sake of impressing, uh, because it's not about impressing, but it is about substance. And it's about the heart and what's flowing out of our heart into our passions, into our commitments. And this is the thing. When people approach our property, when they drive onto our parking lot that has been destroyed by sand and the renovation of the roundabout and everything else, which we need to redo. But when people drive onto that, when people come into this auditorium, when people see or are greeted by your face, by the shake of your hand, that is a direct impression. And it speaks volumes about how we value our God. How true, how authentic, how real, how personal our relationship is with him. But then also how corporately our relationship is with him. Our passage this morning is in 1 Kings 10. 1 Kings 10. And it's perhaps one of the best Bible illustrations that shows someone taking the role of their God uh, very serious. The role of their ability in regards to first impressions. And I realize uh, King Solomon had endless supply of, of um, resources at his hand, uh, but that doesn't, that's not the reason why he was so good at what he did. It wasn't because he had money, but it was because he was a wise steward of what he did have. So in 1 Kings 10, I made reference to this a few weeks ago when we were speaking um, at our ministry fair, but I want to break it down and go into a little more depth this morning. 1 Kings chapter 10, um, and uh, the Queen of Sheba here, what we're reading to give this passage some context, she's coming to King Solomon, and she is coming to see the God. She's heard about him. She's heard about the God that he serves, and she's coming to prove him. She is not a believer, and she says, I want to know about this God that you serve. I want to know about you, and I want to see if all this that I've heard is true. Uh, so there's even an illustration in itself about how word of mouth is so powerful. 1 Kings 10, verse 1 says, And when the queen of Sheba heard of the fame of Solomon concerning the name of the Lord, she came to prove him with hard questions. She was so intrigued by what she had heard but she came to him to prove him. And, and when people visit our churches, believers and unbelievers alike, 
a lot of times they're walking in these doors to prove us. Somebody who's never heard of Jesus Christ, I say never heard. In America, people have heard, but let's say they didn't grow up in church and they're skeptics and their only experience they've had with, with Christians is a negative. Uh, when they walk in these doors, something's happened in their life that says, hmm, maybe I should check out that church thing. And if they're turned off by us, the people, the body of Christ, by the building, by the facilities, by all those things, before they even hear the word of God, it's not a good thing. And then those of us who, who come that maybe they've, they've heard uh, of God and they've been in a, in a faithful church, but they've moved to a different area or they're checking out a church. They want to see that this is a place that, that values God, values his house, values the things that he's done. And so this is why first um, impressions is so important and people as well. It's an opportunity and privilege that we have. Let's keep reading. Verse 4 says, And the queen of Sheba had seen all of Solomon's wisdom and the house that he had built. Verse 5 says, In the meat of his table, and the setting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers, and their apparel, and his cupbearers, and his ascent by which he went up to the house of the Lord. There was no more spirit in her. She was speechless. She was awed. Um, everything that she had heard was better than what she had thought. Verse 7 says, How be it I believe not the words until I came. And mine eyes had seen it, and beheld the half was not told to me. The wisdom and prosperity exceeded the fame which I had heard. So we should ask ourselves these questions concerning um, discerning people, just like the Queen of Sheba was. Queen of Sheba, we would say she was a discerning person. Would you not agree? And she had some discernment, and she came to Solomon. And, and when she came, she was blown away. So we should ask these things to ourselves as well. When people come to this church, are they blown away by Jesus Christ? Are they welcomed and loved beyond expectation? Are they surprised by the friendly spirit of people? Are they delighted by the reception they receive and the, and the preparations that have been made for them? Or do they see the same old people every week? They come once, maybe they come twice. A lot of times visitors will come twice. If their first impression wasn't terrible, they'll come back the second time. And then they'll be watching intentionally to see if the same thing. Do the people just come in as quick, you know, come to church at the last minute as possible. Eh, it's time change. So if you came in late, I don't even know who you were. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not knocking on you this morning. But let's, let's say, well, I'm going to come to church as late as possible. I've got my seat spotted out. There it is. And I'm coming to church. Oh, I'm going to sit down. Whew. Why is she looking at me? Oh, don't come talk to me. Don't come talk to me. Oh, it's time to stand and sing. Yes. You're a good, good father. It's who you are. Is she praying now? Sit down now. Uh -huh. Turn to first king, follow along. I wonder if the golden corral's still open today. I hope they have that fish. I love fish. Can you say amen? How you doing? Good to see you. Yep, gotta go. And we're in and out of the church as fast as possible. We don't want to see anybody. We don't want to talk to anybody. Well, I'll talk to Austin. I know him. I see him every week. He's my friend. I sit by him. Hey, Austin, how you doing, buddy? How's, uh, how's the old ranch doing? He's got boots and a belt buckle, so I just stereotyped him. <laughs> yeah. Austin's my friend, so I'll come talk to Austin. Jack, oh, I don't know Jack. I'm talking to him. <laughs> Scott, nope, don't talk to me. 
I'm coming in and I'm getting out as quick as possible. But that happens all throughout church every week. And we at Centennial are not the only ones. Across this valley, across this nation, there are churches who people are just religious. They're coming to check that block. They want no part of the commitment. They want no part of being the catalyst. I'm jumping ahead of my notes right here. But I said this in life group this morning. People say, I want to be a part of a church that's growing. I want to be involved in a church that has great programs. <coughs> great music. Great preaching. What they're really saying is, I am lazy as all get outs. I don't want to do anything. I don't want to be the catalyst that ignites that change, the catalyst that pushes something in the next generation. I just want to be content to show up and get out. And we, as believers in Christ, we're not called to sit. We were called to serve. We were called to be that change that ignites people. Yes, church should be a great place of excitement. I haven't got to my point yet. But we have to be people that are fired up, that are excited, that want to meet people. They don't just come to church so we can come sit down, check the religious block, or, or come catch up with our friend that we already have their number. We're on Facebook. We text them. We already know their dog died because they posted it, and they said how sad they were. They already know that Friday was a stressful night because something else happened, and they told all their woes as me on, on faith. You know, we already know all these things, but yet we're comfortable. Comfort is comfort. We talked about our comfort zone, right? It's a lot easier to stay in the comfort zone than it is to get out of the comfort zone. And so the challenge this morning is that we commit to serve. We commit to be the catalyst. We commit to be the change. And I realize we're not in the entertainment business. I know that. But our calling is, in fact, much higher than the entertainment business. And I said this a few weeks ago as well. Yet often the world does a far better job, a much better job at packaging themselves than we do as believers of Jesus Christ, and they do it for a far less cause. Remember when I talked about the Super Bowl and, and how awesome and spectacular it is? It's just football. But we as Christians, sometimes our church represents Jesus, and it represents his presence here on earth until he comes back for us, his saints. And so we have to be excited, and we have to be ready to be engaged and ready to create a difference and ready to serve and make these impressions on people who are not believers of Christ. Our, our six points, like I said, they're going to be quick this morning. The first one is this. Solomon answered her questions. Queen of Sheba came to prove him. And Solomon, he answered her questions. Verse 3 says that Solomon told her all her questions. There was not anything hid from the king which he had not told her. When people visit Centennial for the very first time, are their questions answered? Plain and simple. And it, and it really, and sincerely, and it really is the simple questions, like the very, very simple questions. And we, it's an intentional first look at our property. Those of you who have been coming for a while, you know where the restrooms are. Down the hall, to the right, right? Like we know where restrooms are. We know where the children's ministry is. We know youth group meets on Wednesday nights. We know life groups meet down these halls. We know what time Awanas start. We know that there is Awanas. All of these things. We know where the coffee's at, most important one, right? But a lot of times the guest coming onto our property has no idea where these things are. And we as saints, as members, as investors, as stockholders in Centennial Baptist Church, it's our duty and our responsibility to be that catalyst that, that shows that love 
that answers the questions of those who are coming on our property. Proper signage, well-informed greeters, all of those are vital and important uh, um, to that, into answering questions. But it goes, it's more than that. It's the people. It's their heart. It's, it's them intentionally investing in what's going on. And then if we don't know the answers, we go to the people and we find out the answers so we can give the answers to those people. All right? So uh, a lot of times, uh, I was reminded this week, my mother came to visit me. She walked into the, the church auditorium. Not the church auditorium, but the, the church doors. And instantly she said, what is that smell? Diapers. We have a daycare, and sometimes it smells like poop. Plain and simple. There's no way to get around it, right? So we have to remember that and, and have to invest in saying, how can we make things a better place? That doesn't mean come to church and, and bring your potpourri bottle or your perfume and make it smell like flowers. And please don't do that. That could be even worse. I'm not sure. But uh, we get accustomed to walking past the broken bench. We get accustomed to walking past the scratched paint. We get accustomed to, to the broken things and the smelly things. And we don't see it. But a guest coming on the very first time will realize those. So we have to be willing to, to answer questions like, like Solomon did. Number two, moving on. I'll get ahead of myself here. The house of God was impressive. The house of God was impressive. Verse four says, and when the queen of Sheba had seen, there's that visual thing, all of Solomon's wisdom in the house that he had built. So it was impressive. Again, like I said earlier, granted, most of us don't have that vast amount of resources like King Solomon did. A lot of times smaller churches can make the excuse, well, we just don't have the money. Uh, granted, it is, there is a financial side to it. First impression, I hate that this screen is out right now. But right now, the budget and messing with those things is just not there. Technology has changed, and if I replace this one, that means we've got to replace that one because it will be a drastic day and night difference, which is a bad impression. So to replace both, um, you're talking about $10,000. Yeah, 5000 a piece, and that's a low-end projector that's commercial-grade, not a, not a home projector. And so being wise of God's, of God's resources, being wise with his things that he's given us, we have to do that. But if we don't take care of what he has given us, how do we expect him to give us more? And, and so the house of God was impressive, and so we have to ask ourselves this. Even though we don't have necessarily vast, unlimited amounts of resources, we do have one thing. We have the ability to make it clean. We have the ability to make it respectful. We have the ability to make it professional. And, and that doesn't cost money. Anybody can vacuum a floor. Anybody can scrub a wall. Anybody can throw paint on a wall. Like we did yesterday, you guys came out, and we organized closets, and we put up some, some coat hooks, and we took down the wall to prep for the, for the children's ministry. We cleaned up garbage around the modular. Those things are easy, and they, they take no money. They just take some time and some effort. And so to those of you who did that, thank you. And, and, but God's house was impressive and this is the thing. Um, everyone that walks into our facilities is going to see what the good and see the bad. Think about the last time you walked into a restaurant or, or a hotel or, or something, and it was outdated, right? The wallpaper was like from the 70s. You ever walked into one of those places? Especially if you, if you travel much and you've stayed at a hotel and you, you have a bad experience and you've been in an old one. And it smells funny. It smells stale. Uh, the bleach smell is so strong, mixed with cigarettes uh, that's in a non-smoking room. Uh, I mean, it's just disgusting. And it's a turnoff. And you're like, ugh, I don't want to do business with him again. 106 might leave the light on for you, but I don't, I'd rather go to where the light's off if that's what it's going to look like. It's terrible, <laughs> right? Those are bad impressions, and we don't like those. So we have to ask ourselves this. Do our facilities look like they're expecting guests? Think about your own home. 
What do you do at your home when you know you have, you have company coming over? You clean it up and you make it look pretty. And you shine it. My mom was coming in town, you know, we cleaned. I mean, it wasn't that dirty. We have kids, toddlers. So there's always toys everywhere, so we had to pick up. But our house was fairly clean. But when company's coming, you don't just leave it nasty. You pull out the air freshener and you plug in the wallflower. You make it smell good. And you try to, to, to cover up uh, the nasty smells or, or whatever it is from when you cooked dinner two nights ago and there's still grease in the kitchen. You, you don't do that. You don't, that's not, that's yucky. So the house of God should be even a higher priority. And every Sunday we should come expecting to receive guests. And that's, that's the attitude and the thought that we should have. In the eyes of a guest, in the eyes uh, of the church or unchurch, the condition of our place of worship is a direct reflection of how we view our God. If we think that the buildings don't matter and it doesn't matter if the carpets don't match and it doesn't matter if, if the walls aren't painted or we don't keep things up to date, um, a lot of people will, will criticize and say, oh, well, the church is wasting God's resources. I don't think that at all. I think that's actually a very important thing to do. Um, so we have to take part in making this house an impressive house. Number three is this. Not only did Solomon answer her questions, not only was the house of God impressive, the servants were loving and hospitable. And this might be one of the most important ones for us as believers. The last, or the, the, in the middle of verse 5 there, again, it says, the meat of his table and the sitting of his servants, and the attendance of his ministers. Jesus loved people. Matthew 9.39 kind of shows us his heart. If you're in the New Testament, Matthew 9.39 says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad, as sheep having no shepherd. So Jesus was loving. He's hospitable. There isn't a lot of love in today's culture. If you don't believe me, just hop onto Facebook and scroll through some comments in the, news, in the, in the feed there. You'll see all kinds of hate and, and arguing and backbiting. So when guests arrive on our property, they, our property, they should experience the genuine love of Christ. They should experience um, a true joy from the, from the pastors, from the staff, but not only from us. Guests expect me to come shake their hand. I get paid to shake a hand if, if, if you're a guest. You need to remember that's what I'm paid to do, right? That's kind of expected. But they don't expect you as the body. They don't expect you as the saints to do that. So when you go out of your way and you get out of your seat and you say, how you doing today? It's good to see you. Remind me of your name again. Those things go a long way. And they make a huge difference. And it creates a powerful first impression. John 15, 35 says this. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. You have love one toward another. Jesus felt the needs of people, and he ministered to those people. And to serve people, though, this is where it gets messy. This is where we don't like to do. To serve people, you have to be with people. You have to be intentional. You have to expand yourself on their behalf. You have to get out of your comfort zone. Getting to church the last possible minute, finding your seat as fast as you can, darting out as soon as the amen happens, that doesn't find that doesn't define a loving, hospitable relationship with people. Never opening your home to guests, and this is one that I've got to work on. This is one that I've got to do better of. My wife and I, we just bought our, our, our home back in January. We were building one. Some things kind of fell through. We walked away from the build. and We lived in a little tiny shack out in Greenleaf with three kids. It was 900 square feet. It was, it was very tight quarters. And it was in Greenleaf. So we didn't have a lot of folks over when we were living there. But I tried to do a little better about having folks over. But not even that. But just take people out to dinner. 
You see a couple, you see a young couple, you see an older couple, you see somebody new, a face you don't recognize, or a face that you've recognized for, for weeks or months or years of this church, but you still don't really know who they are. Invite them to dinner and pay. Don't, don't dare I don't ask someone to dinner and then go Dutch. That's just, don't do it. That's a terrible first impression. You don't, uh-uh. Dutch is a no-go unless they're like your friends. You know, if I'm taking Scott to dinner, I'll be like, hey, we're going Dutch today, let's go. Like, I don't mind. But if I don't know you, uh, I'm not going to say, hey, we want to go to dinner today? Yeah, let's go, great. And then it comes time for the bill. Uh, two. Got these. Like, that's really awkward, and you just put a terrible first impression on the name of Christ, and you're not even in church now. But there's an importance um, that goes along with um, genuine hospitality. And this is the thing. When Jesus was on earth, he spent much of his time celebrating and dining with people in their homes. You can't have a hermit ministry and be um, extending out and not and extend out to people. You got to get out of your comfort zone. You say, "Well, that's not my strength. I'm I, I don't really, I'm an introvert, not an extrovert." I get that. I don't I don't fault you for that. That's not I'm not beating up on, on introverts today. I get it. God has given each one of us different gifts, different abilities, different talents. And some of you are not Type A personalities. Go get them. But you've got some kind of gift, and you got to find that, and you got to be willing to extend yourself somehow. When it comes to first impressions, find that. So, again, your first impressions might not be inviting people to your home. But maybe your first impression is, hey, I can keep these properties looking darn good. And that's where you got to dive in and get connected. All right. So, uh, verse or number four. Here we see number four. The details were well prepared. Verse five, again, it kind of talked about the servants, tenants of his ministers and their apparel, his cupbearers. Those are the, 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 the security, basically. Not everyone notices details, but everyone feels them. Some people will never notice them. You're like, well, first impressions, I don't notice them. Exactly. Because that's not your personality. You don't notice them. You don't notice the broken bench. You don't notice the scratched paint. That's your personality. But I guarantee you, you feel them. Even if you don't notice it, even if you don't see it, the behind-the-scenes things that are making things happen, good or bad, you're going to feel it. Um, even if it's unconsciously, you might not realize it. But the queen, she not only felt it, she experienced it as well. She saw it, she experienced it, she felt it, and she was affected by it. And details are the small things. Details are the little things. Remember when I talked about Dutch Bros? Dutch Bros is actually not a classy joint. <laughs> Their colors are terrible. From a marketing standpoint, the whole green and blue, or red and, no, blue. It's just blue and yellow and red. Like, yeah, it's not the greatest. It's not flashy. It's kind of outdated a little bit with the whole Dutch windmill thing. I'm not, I'm not a huge fan. There are much classier, nicer coffee joints. You know, even Starbucks, you go in, the beautiful buildings, the new one they just built here on, on the boulevard. Great. But people go back to Dutch Bros because of the feeling, because of the excitement, because of the people that are coming to them saying, how's it going? The personal interest in you. How's your day? You headed to work? Like, yeah. Even when it's you know, six in the morning, seven in the morning, you don't want to talk to people. And these guys are like, hee, they've been drinking the coffee for like three hours, right? And so they are, their coffee sometimes, you're not going back so much because of the, the impression, but you're going for that feeling. And you might not even notice it. But there's that personal connection that's drawing you. This goes back to the, the people that were loving, the people who were hospitable, even in a business place, in our, in our connection with people. That's kind of how it goes. And so the details were well prepared. Um, Think of it this way. Someone who doesn't like you isn't going to listen to you, right? If you don't like me, you're not listening this morning. You're like, is he going to shut up yet? He's really annoying. That's the honest truth. 
If you don't like someone, you're not going to listen to them. So when it comes to um, the property being beautiful, that's fine. If the property can be beautiful, it's all get out. But if the people are ugly, it's a lose-lose. The details were well prepared. The people uh, here in this passage, they had a connection in the small things and, and were joyful. But if we don't, if we don't make that connection, we're, we're losing people. So we have to see the little things. We have to make sure that not only will they see them, but that they'll feel them. All right, number five was this. These last two talk about worship in, in our spirit. The worship was powerful. The last part of verse five says this. His ascent by which he went up into the house of the Lord. So the historical context is this. This was his procession into the temple, and it wowed queen, the queen of Sheba. And this was just a small portion of the, the, of, of the ceremony that was taking place, kind of like the, the Olympics in the opening ceremony, right? The opening ceremony is just a small portion of the Olympics. It's not even the games, but it's a huge, elaborate thing where all the teams come out and show off you know, who they are and their spirit and, and the country that they represent. So that's what this was. And it was one small part, but it was so well prepared that she named it by mouth. And it, this goes back to the details of how much that Solomon invested in this. In powerful churches, in healthy churches, um, the preaching, the music, the programs, the kids' programs, the teens, there's details. There's preparation. Somebody had to uh, uh, run through songs. Somebody had to turn on lights. Somebody had to write a script, write the, the order of service. Somebody had to get the graphics ready, the bulletin ready. All the details that go into little things, and that's just scratching the surface, that helps create a powerful worship experience, um, you know, all of which takes commitment, all of which takes people being willing to commit, people being willing to invest outside of themselves into something greater because of our God. 1 Corinthians 14.40 says, let all things be done decently and in order. So the worship was powerful. And number six, lastly, is this one. The house of God was a joyful place. The house of God was a joyful place. First Kings 18 verse 8 says this. Happy are thy men. Happy are these thy servants which stand continually before thee and that hear thy wisdom. Thy people should be happy. Happy about our God. Happy about serving. Happy about being. Happy about doing. Not just grumpy like oh, I'm here. Here I am. <clears throat> I mean think about the words like I say, when we're singing, think about the words that we're singing and what they're talking about and who they're singing about and be joyful. Whether or not we know the, the tune, it helps when we know a tune. Um, it helps when we know the way a song goes and we have invest, personal investment in it. But be intentional about learning songs, new songs, old songs, and, and having that joyful relationship with God, that importance. And this is the thing. Um, our happiness can't be underestimated when it comes to our first impressions. It's not a forced happiness. I'm not talking about faking it till you make it. You start on a smile and eh, here. I mean, people can see through those things. But if we're genuine and our love for Christ comes out in our spirit, it comes out in the way we interact with people and the way we do things. Not all people are going to like everybody. I get it. Um, there's people I don't like. There's people you don't like. That's that's personalities. Uh, that's human nature. I'm not saying you got to fake like you like everybody, but you can't just be rude either. But the house of God, especially, you should be joyful and not just on Sundays. On Mondays, on Tuesdays, on Wednesdays, on Thursdays, you should be the same. And that joy should come out where people say, there's something different about that guy. There's something different about that girl. And so um, the house of God was a joyful place. How can the servants be so happy? I mean, how could the, the queen notice it? 
then they just had a good meal. They were actually working as well, but they were still happy. They're his servants, but they're happy. Proverbs 3.13 says, happy is the man that findeth wisdom and that gets understanding. Getting wisdom, coming to church, growing, being a part of a small group, um, having personal relationship with God, getting godly counsel, uh, discipleship, growing, all the things that we try to provide here and things that you can get out in the community as well um, that will give you wisdom. Those things can make you happy, but also serving God. The king spoke to the people in such a way, like I said at the beginning, her questions were answered. And then their hearts were filled with God's joy. And this is reflective of them. Um, Psalm 1611 says this. Thou will show me the paths of life in the presence. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. God shows us the path of life. In God's presence, the Psalms is full of, of David singing praises to God. It's a great passage. If you're ever having a, a down day, a bad day, read the Psalms. And if you don't get encouraged from that, uh, then, then just read it again because there's so much joy in there, even in the midst of negativity. Um, when David in Psalm 51 was talking about how much he had sinned and how it hurt, um, he finds joy. There should be no happier place than Caldwell, Idaho, than the church. Not just this church, any church. I'm for every, for the churches that are, believe in Jesus Christ, that follow Jesus Christ, I'm not against them. First Baptist, First Southern, uh, you name it. If there's a church, I want them to represent Christ, I want them to know Christ. I want believers and unbelievers alike to walk into that house of God to have a joy, to have a sense of purpose, to have an enjoyment that makes people say, I want to be part of that. And as members of Centennial and those that attend here faithfully, we should want the same thing for our house specifically right here and for those that are other. We're not in, we're not in competition. We're in business together for the king, and we should make a difference. Um, in closing, I want to say this. There's uh, as we uh, this list of evaluations. The joy of Christ, the spirit-filled Christian, is one of those most attractive qualities. And in, in the Old Testament, well, not just the Old Testament, Old and New, the word rejoice is used 192 times. So God had an important part uh, and wanted an emphasis on being happy, being joyful. And, and there's a little bit of a difference between joy and happy. Happiness is a feeling. Joy is something that, that you just can't take away, no matter what your circumstance is. When things are down, when things are blue, you still have that peace, that contentment, and people know, man, there's something different about you. You might not be happy at your per current circumstances, but you're joyful. And so be joyful. Um, Philippians 4.4, 4, rejoice the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. But let's evaluate our church like this. And it's on your notes there. Ask yourself these questions when it comes to Centennial. Is our speaking helpful and full of wisdom? And I'm not just referring to the pastor. I'm referring to you as the saints, as the believers of Christ. When you speak to people... In this church, outside of this church, hey, let's meet for coffee, wherever it is. Let's go to lunch. Let's go to dinner. Is your speaking helpful? Is it full of wisdom? Or is it negative? Is it discouraging? Man, that pastor. Man, I don't like this. Man, I don't like that. Are you getting together with other believers and just griping about what's wrong? Are you trying to encourage each other and find ways to lift up and to edify and to do more? Ask this. Is our house impressive? Again, this refers to the, to the building. Yesterday, we spent some time trying to make things better. Is our house impressive? If it's not, how can we fix it? If you see things that maybe I don't see, that's where you have to be willing and be able to say, hey, uh, I saw this. Can I? And have the ability to, to, and the forewith um, to make an effort, not just point it out. Like, hey, you need to fix that. Thank you, Captain Obvious. I, I'm aware. <laughs> uh, there are a lot of things right now. We've got over $6,000 worth of damage from, from the winter snow. And the insurance claims are going to take care of that. But 
Um, that's a lot of things. And so that is a, a patience thing. We were waiting on the companies to come back so we can prepare those. But that's, that's not a fun thing. But the other things that we can help uh, make impressive, we have to do our part to, to make impressive. Number three, ask ourselves this question. Are we full of hospitality? Are we intentionally engaging, being friendly, uh, going out of our comfort zone to engage with people, people that don't even look like us, people that don't talk like us, people that don't think like us? It's a lot easier to find the young couple that looks just like me. And that's a good thing. You should engage. I mean, a lot of times people will go to churches and they'll continue to come to churches because they do see people like them, right? Uh, because they want to be with those people. They want to hang out with those people. But we also have to go out of our comfort zone to help those that aren't just like us as well. Number four, do we pay attention to details? Do we pay attention to the small things, to the little things? Do we walk past the trash on the floor? Do we, do we walk past the, the, the crooked chairs, the hymnals on the floor? I mean, do we pick things? Do we invest that intentional investment? Uh, and then number five, is our service excellent? Are we doing the best um, to do the best that we can do with our abilities? For, for me, if I'm answering this question, I say, no, it's not. That's, that's my answer. I don't think it is. It doesn't meet my expectations. Not where I would like it to be. Not that, not that I want to be a flashy church, a showy church, a, a mega church, but I want things to be decently in order. And I don't think we're there yet as a church. Um, and I think we have lots of room for improvement. And I think it should always be that way. Even when we get to the place where I'm comfortable with it, there should still be something that we're not comfortable with that we've got to make better, that we've got to do better to be excellent and to glorify and represent our king. And then lastly, is there joy among the servants? And that kind of goes back to what I said earlier. It doesn't matter if, if our buildings are beautiful and our music is spectacular and the preaching is awe-inspiring and wooing. If we are not joyful, we're just humdrum, uh, people, we're not, we're not going to make a difference. We're making a terrible impression and people won't come back and this church won't grow. We won't reach people for Christ. Ask ourselves these questions. Um, and if we want the answer to be yes, then it's going to take intentional work on our part. It's going to take us doing, us being committed, and, and us being willing to be leaders. Not a volunteer, a leader. A servant who says, I'll do it. I've got it. I can take this. Somebody who gets big picture, who gets where we're going, who gets the vision, the mission. Not somebody who just says, well, nobody else will do it. Okay, I guess I'll do it. That's great. I, I love people who are like that who say, I guess I'll do it. But I want somebody who doesn't say, I guess I'll do it. I want somebody who says, dude, I've got that. That's mine. I can do that. I can take it. I can own it. I can run with it. They have ownership. They have leadership. And they take it and they, they excel. They don't just get it done because they have to, because nobody else is willing. The average church, 20% of the people are just willing, you know, volunteers. We say, hey, we've got a need. Let's do this. At least 20% of people will say, I'll do it. We've got that. We've got to get past that. Um, and we've got to create that culture where people say, hey, I want to have ownership. I want to invest in that. It's not about getting something from people, but it's about offering something to people. It's about drawing people to Jesus Christ. And here's the thing. For my empty nesters in the room, my senior saints, it's a lot harder, I realize, for you to invest in a church of, of younger folks when it comes to programming or, or style because now your your family's gone, right? Your kids are gone. I'm at the age I've got toddlers, so I, I'm actively involved and engaged and curious and, and wanting change and wanting things to improve and to, to do better, especially for the children's ministry. Why? Because my children are there. 
And that's just human nature. That's not a, a negative slam on you guys. But here's the, the, the good thing. At your age, you have better resources, more time, and more to give to the younger generation to help breed that, to help structure that, to help come along and mentor that. And then for my younger generation, the millennials, I would just say this. Don't be lazy. <laughs> Plain and simple. Don't be lazy. Don't say, well, somebody else will do it. We've got to be intentionally focused. We've got to be uh, the catalyst that ignites the change, that's willing to take the hard places. And the thing, is the thing. If you're looking for an easy job in serving the king, there, there's not one. There's not just an easy job. Like, hey, yeah, uh, I just want to do this. Everything takes effort. Anything takes pra practice. takes time commitment. Um, and it's not, about, it's not about works. We know Ephesians chapter 2, um, for by grace are you saved through faith. We, our relationship is with Jesus Christ, and we're saved through faith. Um, because if not, we would boast, right? But it's about, uh, if you go to Ephesians 4 as well, that, that last part talks about the equipping of the saints. And you're the saints. And we, as ministers of the church, want to equip you, the saints, to do. Knowledge is not what you know. The deep is not what you know. Let me rephrase that. The devil had all the knowledge in the world, and all it did was get him sent to hell. And people say, well, I just want to know more. I want to study more. I want to be in God's word. We need to have more expository teaching and preaching and more programs. No. Knowledge does you no good. I, I, I've said this before. I know how to lose weight. I know how, but it's what I do, or I should say don't do, right? So it's not about what you know. It's about what you do. If you want to go deep, then do. It's not about the size of our church. The devil does not care about the size of this church. He really doesn't, but he does care about our influence. And if we do things decently in order, if we do things right, you know what's going to happen? Growth. You know what's going to happen? An influx of people. And that's a challenge for everyone. To, to have more people, to have more programs, that puts a lot more workload on people. But that's a good thing. We should strive for that. We should strive for excellence. We should strive to make great first impressions and be committed to serving. Serving here in the local church, then serving also out in the community and partnering with those um, that can do more um, to help people be reaped for Christ. And so let's pray this morning. Uh, again, not a, not a deep method message, a very practical message about making great first impressions, about serving about being committed to it. And I hope, as I've said something, those six points from, from Kings there, there's something that stuck out to you and you said, hey, that's something I want to work on. That's something that I want to change or grow in my life as, as a believer um, to do better, to do more for Christ. Let's pray. God, thank you for these, your people, your servants, God, and, and their faithfulness and attentiveness this morning. Pray that we would all be invested in this church, all be invested um, in making uh, your name great, in making your name known, in making... A good impression uh, on the lost so that they can come to know you and as well as other believers who might be wandering, making an impression on them that says, hey, I want to have that faith. I want to have that joy. I want to have that commitment, that peace that the, those people at Centennial have, God. May we be that people that, that has that desire. And it's in your name we pray these things. Amen. Church, thank you so much. There's a couple of announcements before we leave this morning. Um, just want to remind you, of, tonight at 530, uh, we have our serve training again. We're in session two. And in your bulletin, there was that insert that kind of talks about the next two weeks and how all that's going to take place. We'll talk more about that tonight. But at 530, everyone's going to be in here. We're going to go over some policies and procedures um, within the manual, as well as some first impression things, and then some of the leaders' procedures. Um, and, and then, uh, so there's kind of the legal side of things we're covering tonight when it comes to people, working with people in our society of 2017 as well. So 530, you'll want to be here for that. And then don't forget, um, I already said thank you for those who came out yesterday, but we have one more work day. Um, in March on the 25th. 
Uh, and we're not even going to finish everything that we need to finish on that day uh, because there's a whole lot of painting and things that we're trying to do in the other building uh, that go along with um, getting that building ready and more attractive in our nursery area, our children's ministry, as well as the modular um, where our youth will be meeting uh, because the Spanish church meets upstairs where the youth is currently meeting. And we're going to make that where that's more Spanish friendly and that's more youth friendly and the downstairs is more kid friendly. So we're really trying to utilize that building and make it very church friendly on Sundays where people don't just see it as a school, but also as, wow, this is where church happens and create that energy and excitement when we have guests that come in. So if you can serve on that day, please be faithful uh, to come back out. It's 9 a.m. Uh, like I said yesterday, if you just showed up for an hour, two hours, however long it was. We're super grateful. And if that's all you can commit um, and you can't be here at 9, you can only be here at 10, whatever it may be. We'll love any help, and we'll take it however we can get it. So thank you so much. Make sure you check your bulletin as well for the rest of the things that are going on. Um, Easter's right around the corner. Our annual school and auction um, and carnival is right around the corner. A uh, couple raffle things. Uh, if you see kids around here start to asking you to buy things for raffle tickets, they're auctioning off a four-wheeler. Then the ladies as well are auctioning off a beautiful quilt. Um, and Miss Ginger and uh, Miss Elaine and some of the other folks um, have been spending their time building and making that. I shouldn't say building. You don't build a quilt, right? You sew it. However you do it, I definitely don't do any quilting. Uh, but make sure you see them. They've got tickets for that um, one as well. And uh, there's just a lot going on in the month of, of March and then in February, or not February, uh, April. So I hope that you can uh, make it to all those things that are going on. Be faithful to attend. Don't forget this Wednesday night, there's no um, Awana, there's no youth group, there's no Bible study because of spring break in the school. We just kind of take this, this week off to kind of refresh and then gear up for this final last two months before we break for the summer uh, with, with Awanas and things. So uh, this Wednesday night, enjoy some time with your family, maybe have a, a game night or something like that. Uh, but there's no services here on Wednesday night. Thank you so much today, church, for being here. We love you guys and hope to see you uh, tonight if you're involved. God bless you and have a great week, all right? Thanks, church.